And there's a gritty number by Thelma Jones from 1967 called Stronger. And live on the line, I've got the lady herself, Thelma. Welcome to England. How's your day? Wonderful, wonderful. How about you? Lovely. Getting better. Thank you very much. Uh, Obviously, yeah. Um, Your recording career began with Barry Records in 1967, but how did it all begin? Actually, I don't remember when I was not singing. People ask, you know... Ask me quite often, how did you get started? I, I remember just always singing from the time I was a little person. Lovely. I, you know, became um, just, it was second nature to me. And I didn't think there was anything unusual about it. But later on, I started singing in church and then... Well, you say later on, uh, but wasn't your first church solo aged five or six or something like that? Yes. Well, actually, I'll tell you, I I think it's kind of amusing now that I look back on it. My father's sister was a very devoted um, church person. And I mean, she was really dedicated and um, I I really adored her. Mm -hmm. My mother and father were not particularly religious at all. Right. Uh, But they didn't, you know, they, they didn't... Um, discourage us from going to church uh-huh. and of course I love to go because of the music but they were they didn't try to imprint any particular religion or anything in us and so as a result I would listen to the radio and I would sing everything I heard you know the Bessie Smith or yeah. Mahalia Jackson or wh- whatever the country music whatever the current um, trend was yeah and my aunt, getting back to my aunt, she used to come and visit and check up on us. That was her baby brother's children. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, I lived on a farm in North Carolina. Right. And and she would come and check on us. And um, she said, this is the story she told me later as I, you know, became, grew up. She said she just heard me singing and singing and singing. And I knew all the blues songs on the radio. Wow. <laughs> I was about four, four and a half, five. Yeah. And and she she was very clever the way she approached me about it because as I said, she was a very devout uh church uh-huh. person. Yeah, yeah. And she said to me, Do you know any songs about Jesus? Right. <laughs> And I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> she said, well, if I teach you a song about Jesus, will you sing it at our Children's Day service uh, this year? And I, and, and I, you know, I was quite shy, really, yeah. in yeah. terms of uh, being around people. And she said, and if you do that, I'll make you this pretty little dress. <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> that appealed to me. Immensely being a Taurus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Immensely. Lovely. Because I love little, you know, frilly, pretty things. And my, my parents course. had a lot of kids, so, you know, it wasn't available to me on a regular basis. No. So so how were you I received? Said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I said. Uh-huh. So I, she made this beautiful little dress, and she taught me the song, I Will Fly Away. Okay. And that was the first song I ever um, performed in public. So the people were, it was really scary because 
they started getting emotional and shouting and jumping up and down. And it really frightened me, I tell you the truth. And they would hug me. And it, it must be yeah. really daunting because as you were only five, weren't you, to be singing publicly in front of all these people. But um, you obviously yes, be- got a passion and a flair because- for it. Because I wanted that little dress, so I made myself. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. I remember. I remember it vividly. So yeah, what, but what, it, but I got a wonderful reception. I didn't know how to, uh, you know, I didn't know exactly what it meant at that time, but it was wonderful. Yeah. So, what took you to New York City? Did the family move in search of work or something like that? Um. Yes. Um. My family moved to New York. But, you know, from then on, I was singing in the choir. And yeah. Then I had had a group with my brother and sister oh, called the McDaniel the Singers. Singers. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's what started it, that little story I told you. Lovely. <laughs> so what sort of age were you so, when the McDaniel Singers? T- early teens? Pre-teens. Or, uh, pre-teens. Wow. Early teens. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, they moved to New York mm-hmm. for work, you know, to for seeking a better life as a lot of people did when they moved from the south yeah and uh there i still continued to sing gospel music in the church and um i'm trying to think how i met robert banks um has this got anything to do with the apollo theater well that was oh yes i did the amateur night Mm -hmm. at the apollo and from there um, I met um, Robert Banks, and we recorded Never Leave Me. Lovely. Let's have a listen. Never, baby. Beautiful. I mean, let's just go back to the yeah. Apollo Theatre, because that, I mean, the, the church service was daunting, but the Apollo Theatre were uh, a real unrelenting crowd, weren't they? Uh, they, uh, <laughs> they used to take great delight in booing people off. That must have been so... Yeah. Crikey. It, it, it was really uh, frightening. Yeah, to tell you but you won the again. Moment, Yes. Uh, and the only reason I ended up doing it was I, my sister was a little bit more worldly wise. Oh, right. <laughs> she was younger. and She wasn't really, at that time, I was really, really following in my aunt's footsteps and very dedicated and, mm-hmm. and was a lead singer in the choir and all of that. But I didn't have, you know, I didn't go to the dances and all that stuff the way she did, you know, most teenagers. And I remember she talked me into going to a place. It was um, um, a place in New York uh, where all the entertainers would spend time with when that that was at the Apollo. Okay, they were performing at the Apollo. Then they would uh, just hang out at this joint. Just hang out at this place. Yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry, the name of the place is, escapes me now, but it was oh, a bowling oh, alley. And um, oh, I think it was Chef and the Limelight. The whole Ap- Apollo lineup oh, right. was there. Yeah. T-Bone Walker was on, on the show. And, and I remember sitting at his table, and um, they had it was like an open mic. You okay. could get up and sing. And my sister said, oh, you should sing, so... I remember I didn't know very many songs. All I knew was the Ray Charles hit, I've Got a Woman. Uh-huh. Wouldn't wouldn't be any big deal today, but that lyric was quite controversial then <laughs> for me singing it. 
And I remember I didn't bother to change the lyrics or anything. I just stood up and did the song with the band. And, of course, it was a very wonderful reception. And when I came back to the table, he said, girl, you can sing. You should come to the Apollo and do the amateur uh, hour. So that's how I ended up going there. And it was daunting. Yeah, yeah. I must must tell you. uh, you, I won the people over, but I didn't realize that I had because I just ran off the stage because they started screaming. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, <laughs> I don't want Sandman Sands in his costume to come in with it and drag me off. So I ran off because I, I watched them boo so many people yeah, off. Yeah. So I didn't realize they were they were excited about the way I was singing. So so it was interesting later to find out. Yeah. Lovely. They liked me. They did because they booked you for a week doing six shows a day. Yes. And with music like this, there's little wonder. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to be playing yeah. alongside, uh, I think, well, Big Maybell and uh, the Vibrations, oh, the yeah. OJs, Gene Chandler, what a legend. Uh, you, yeah. You must have learned. What, I th- what a scholarship to be learning from people like that. It was quite amazing. Howard Tate. Yeah. Um, uh, Walter Jackson. Wow. Uh, so, because they used to build so many entertainers on one bill then. At the, yeah, at that time. Yeah, so. yeah. It was it was amazing. Uh, Gene uh, Gene Chandler was uh, quite the sh- the showman, the Duke of Earl. Yeah. I just, by the way, I just went to see him. All right, uh, and he he was fantastic. Great show. Lovely. Saturday Saturday night, I went watched wow. his show. He was good. It was great. I was most amazed uh, because we've been, all been around for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely, yeah, lovely. Um, so, I mean, your your performances. Um, you play the Shea Stadium. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes, it was a lot of uh, the who's who. Yeah, I see. Well, James Brown is there. Kim Weston, Johnny Nash. Goodness me. Yeah. So, tell me about getting offered a deal at Barry Records. Then, did that come from the Apollo? Uh, let me think. Where, how I got that deal with Barry. I think it was Arthur Prysock. Oh, right, yeah, because he was on the no. sister label, wasn't he? Yes, On Old yes, Town. Yes, Well, initially it was High, 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 mm-hmm. was it High Records? And he was uh, part of that. But there was a gentleman named Randy Edwards. Okay. Who was with a group called the Fiestas. Oh, right. They were a duo. Uh, they band, had that, they? yes, they had that song, one of their big hits that I remember was so fine, mm. my babe, so doggone fine. Remember that one? Yeah. Anyway, it was a big hit for them. Yeah. And he uh, introduced me to High Wife. Yeah. Because um, I think I record- ended up recording one of his songs at one point. But he was the one that introduced me to High Wife, and that's how I got signed to Barry uh, records lovely and um they wrote and produced your first track never leave me did really rather well yes it did it did it went uh pretty big on the charts mm-hmm. i think top 10 maybe and the b-sides are belter uh, as well isn't it gotta find a way what a beautiful tune let's have a listen to that next
What a track. Just one more example of why you should always play your B-sides. That's my. That's one of my all-time favourite songs. I'm not surprised. It's gorgeous. I love that song, yes. Lovely. Um, I mean, you also, whilst you were at Barry Records, you performed the original version of a song made famous by Aretha Franklin, didn't you? Uh, House That Jack Bill? Yes! Yes, yes, I sure did. And here it is. This is a house of Jack Bill! There's your original version of the house that Jack built. You had a great sound. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure we recorded that in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Oh, right, I see. Now, you see, that, yeah. that, must, have been, um, that must have been a different experience because Muscle Shoals was, uh, at a time, I say, we're talking about um, racial divide. That sort of, yes. Uh, it was completely different inside the studio to outside, wasn't it? Because the, the, the musicians tended to be white, the artists tended to be black. Y- yes. And it was just, it was <laughs> beautiful. So it, far ahead of its it time. It was extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, they, they were, and I uh, absolutely, cause I was, because I was living in New York at the time, and um, I just did not, I didn't spend any time in, in you know, in the city, no. in Alabama, so or, or this, I just came in and uh, stayed in the hotel, which was very close uh, to the studio. Yeah, but it was it was quite extraordinary because the musicians were exceptional, mm. and you didn't notice any sort of color. No, of course, that's how it should be energy at all. Yeah, that's the way it should be. You're right; they were quite ahead of ahead of their time. Quite right. Um, now, what was it like recording for the Barry label? It was quite a small label, wasn't it? Was it? Did you get a lot of um, artistic license, or were you were they quite strict with what the sound well, they wanted to achieve? You know, I'm trying to think. I'm, I need to backtrack. I think the house that Jack built was recorded in New York City. Okay, with Pretty Purdy and the Sweet Inspirations. Um, that was in New York. Mm-hmm. Never um, Salty Tears was recorded in Muscle Shoals. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting all... i got to backtrack here because, a bit. Yeah. Because I'm right in thinking after Barrier Records closed down, I think they went bankrupt or some such, did you... Uh, you got signed briefly to Atlantic and they sent you back to Muscle Shoals, didn't they, to record some stuff? Never saw the light today? They, they did. They did. Uh, no, none of that was ever released. All right. No. Don't suppose you know I if it's still around, remem- do you? <laughs> I don't even remember... The the songs we recorded, but I know it never. It, you're right; it never saw the light of day. Wow! I, well, you not got the master tapes under your bed anywhere, have you? They might. They'd be like gold. I think that they may have. Who did I go with next? Columbia. Yes, you did, yeah. I, I I really don't recall what happened with those tracks because they belong to. Um, to Atlanta. They belong to Atlanta. Yeah. Yes. All right. So. But, what did you What did you do after that then? Because um, if you you got yourself out of the contract with uh, Atlantic, didn't your yes. uh, didn't your manager have a disagreement with them? So anyway, yes, you, you the got management. Out, yeah, you got out of Atlantic. So what happened then? What did you do as a um, Did you go to normal life? Did you go singing in bars? What did you do? Well, with I, I, I was I was always singing in clubs and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't sign with the label again until I signed with Columbia. Right, and that in would have 70s. been mid seventies. I think your LP yes. on Columbia came out in seventy eight, didn't it? Yes, yes, yes. So, 
Um, and of course, that was Salt to Tears, and I recorded that in Muscle Shoals as well. And that was the track that brought you to the attention of Columbia Records. Let's play that next. Beautiful, because that got quite a lot of airplay at the time, didn't it? It really did. It really did. And um, especially in Europe. Yeah. I, I, I still perform and use uh, uh, sing Salty Tears all the time. People ask for it. Nice track. Um, so you went to CBS, and this is Los Angeles. So did you find, and a big corporation as well, did you... What was the experience like recording for those as opposed to uh, as opposed to Barry? Was it more structured? Um, did you have uh, because you were more of an established artist then? Did you have more influence over the music you were making? What was it like? Well, um, I, I probably could have had more influence, but I didn't exert it that much. Okay, I pretty much left everything up to the producer, um, um, Bert Decoteau. Right. And, and, you know, he, we, of course, we selected songs, he selected songs, but I didn't have that much, I didn't exert any, too much uh, influence over the way it was mm. done. But you had some, uh, you had some nice songwriters on, uh, on that LP, didn't you? Leon Ware, Sam Dees. Wow. Yes. The track I Can Dream, that Leon Ware wrote with Harold Payne, what a beautiful, beautiful record. Let's give it a spin. And there's a lovely tune written by the great Sam Dees. That is a lovely, lovely. That's one of my favourites too. Yeah, and and Sam um, Dees just can't do any I wrong, can he? He's a man's a magician. <laughs> yes, yes. How oh, I love that. It was, it was some lovely songs on there. I'll tell you, my um, favourite on I'd the album. I'd rather leave while. My favourite on the album is How Long. Fun. How Long. L- love oh, that. Love that's that so funky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that one too. I don't sing that one a lot, but no. when I did the Northern Northern Soul mm-hmm. um, back, um, the people really wanted to hear that, so yeah. we did it. We had a very good time. Yeah, I, I play that track out quite quite regular. At, um, we have with a phenomenon over here called a Sunday Chill Out, and it's just got a nice sort of a rare groove feel to it, and it goes yes. down very well. Yes. Very well. Let's give it a play. That is such a lovely track from a great LP. Um, so, I mean, you also got Gwen Guthrie uh, on background vocals on that LP. Yes, uh, uh, young lady. I think she. I think most of those girls ended up having their own solo careers. I know Yolanda, um, but Gwen was was a songwriter. Oh right. And she and she was on there as well. Yes. Beautiful. So, I mean, was there never a follow-up LP on the cards? Because um, the, 
the LP Thelma Jones was uh, quite successful. There, we we never did um, follow up with because I was considering signing with uh, at that time um, the Philadelphia Sound was all the rage. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you did want to gamble I, on Hoof tracks, didn't you? Um, now that we've found love. Yes, but on the Columbia mm. um, album. Uh, but then um, it was a reggae group that recorded it at the same time and it had a big hit. With Third it. World, yeah. Yes, That's yes. It. But I was actually considering um, signing with Gamble and Hop. Okay. And so I met with them. And then again, there was management disputes. So we never did, um, we never did a follow-up. Oh dear, That's such a shame. We've just been chatting about Now That We've Found Love. Shall we give it a spin? So, so what did you do after you finished with CBS then? After you finished after, LP? After that, I, just, I, I never, as I said, I never stopped singing. I just uh, I moved to Florida and just continued to sing, continued to work. You yeah, know? lovely. But you, you were back into the recording studio after um, a short while, weren't you? In 1999, you, you brought out a CD called Close to the Ground. Was it nice to get you back in the saddle? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Close to the Ground was done by... Um, Mouse Johnson, who was, uh, he had a studio here in, in, in Los Angeles, uh-huh. in the Valley. And we did uh, Close to the Ground with the first time ever. Sorry. It was mostly cover tunes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I did one original tune on there. Um, um, but uh, it, it it did fairly well. Yeah. Some some nice tracks, yeah. some nice interpretations there. And, nice. I, and of course, I loved Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground, mm. the, Country, the country song. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And the first time I ever saw your face. Oh, well, that's a beautiful track anyway. Uh, Midnight Train to Georgia, yeah. of course, is on there. Lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, right, Law, Law of Old came out in 2002. Let's have a listen to its title track. So, we've just heard the title track from your 2002 CD, Law of Old. In fact, you had the Thelma Jones um, LP was reissued in 2005 due to popular demand through CBS. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Sony, I think. Oh, was it? I think it was Sony in Japan that re-released it. All right, yeah, the, the Japanese are just as hungry for American yes. soul music as uh, <laughs> UK and Europe, I'm telling you. In fact, you came yeah. to perform at the UK in 2007, didn't you? How was that? I mean, how, did you notice I, there's, I there's a real hunger? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I, I truly loved it. Because you can because, feel the love, uh, can't you? Yes, and the, and I was quite taken with the with how much pe- the people loved the music, and I had never performed in England before, mm, mm. even though uh, Never Leave Me and House of Jack built and all of the music. Wow. was loved and, and well-known there, but I'd never performed, so that was a great experience. I, I would imagine it's safe to say that um, it's one of those experiences that you'll never forget, because more often than not, when the American artists come over to a UK or a European crowd, they're absolutely reduced to tears at the intensity yes. of the welcome that's waiting for them. 
It's so true. Mm. I absolutely agree. You you described my experience perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just yes, the, it's indeed. not just the UK yeah. that gives you that welcome, is it? Because uh, you performed at Peretta in Italy in 2010. That's a nice soul festival. And, in a gorgeous setting. Oh, it really, really is. And and the, the, there was just overwhelming love as well. Yeah. I absolutely loved working the Mojo Festival in Spain in oh, March right. of this year. Oh, lovely. That, yeah, that was great. We, it, there was, uh, Who else was on there? There was uh, Winfield Parker. Really? The Cookies um, and uh, the, the, the Dixie Cups. Oh, right. Going to the chapel, going to get married, I remember. Yes! <laughs> it, was a, it was a really lovely, lovely show. I enjoyed it so much. And speaking of the love that people give you, I was mm. just totally amazed. Everybody, and it was quite a few young people, people of all ages, but um, quite a few young people, and they all knew the songs, yeah. even though we didn't, they, I don't speak Spanish, and a lot of them didn't speak English, but they knew all but the songs, the songs. So we were singing along yeah. with uh, um, Wait, the it, one you love so much, um, yeah. Gotta Find a Way. Yeah, beautiful. Um, you're still recording, 2018, um, just last year, you, you brought out uh, a 45. I Can't Stand It and Only Yesterday? Yes. Two great sides. Here's I Can't Stand It. Issued on Chicago's Gimp Records. That was, uh, I recorded that um, I'm trying to think. In between, uh, see, I moved from New York after mm -hmm. the Columbia years, and I was performing in Florida uh, all around the state, and just you know, singing across the country. Yeah. And they asked me to. Uh, I think who's the gentleman that produced that? He was he's, he was a country artist. I don't know. Uh, oh my goodness, you. You would know Bellamy Brothers. All oh, right, I know. Dave yes, Bellamy. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dave Bellamy, and he wrote. I think it. I think he wrote only yesterday. I can't. And Blair Mooney, he was with the rock band too. It was his studio. All oh, right. And we went. We did those two songs, and I had totally forgotten it until recently. This gentleman approached me, and they they found these tracks. Oh, see, those, so these were previously unreleased tracks, were they? That they got you to. Um, ah, yeah. I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Uh, but talking of um, your back catalogue, Ace Records in the UK, bless him, Adie Crowsdale's recently brought out a CD of your all your Barry and CBS recordings, hasn't he? Yes, it did. Yes. Oh, so uh, that's really and, called and, uh, Second Chance. Second Chance. Here's a title track. That's a, a lovely song on that at that time period that I loved. I thought it was yeah. it's quite different. Showed a different uh, side. Lovely. Are, are you working yes. on anything at the moment? Is there anything on the horizon? Well, I'm actually uh, working on a gospel album. Oh, lovely. It was some, something I wanted to do uh, for a long time. And I, at first I was kind of like, I was, didn't, didn't want to do any gospel music. But now since that's really part of my mm. roots... Mm. I was thinking of doing some more mm. songs that I remember from when I was growing up, which is totally different from 
the gospel scene today. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Lovely. Um, And where can people buy your material? Do you have your own website or online store? Well, most of the music you can get uh, at uh, soulmusic.com. Okay. With David Nathan, www.soulmusic.com. I do have a website, but I don't have a web store. Okay. Uh, in place. So, so what's, let's just give you a website yeah. a plug then. It's ThelmaJones.com. Excellent. Thelma, thank you so yes. much for giving me this time. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it and I wish lovely. you lovely. Well, thank you very much. Um, so, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much again. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. So I'd just like to finish the interview by playing your gorgeous interpretation of a track also recorded by Jackie Wilson. Here's You're the Song That I Can't Stop Singing.